Awesome admission professionals. This podcast is the Admissions Entrepreneur, a day in the life. I'm your host, Tom Skank. I'm the founder of Dartmouth Associates, and we are the creators of the Results Oriented Recruiting System, otherwise known as ROAR, a proprietary enrollment intervention that integrates entrepreneurial thinking and sales fundamentals to immediately help schools in crisis. We are also the first and only global consultancy to assist K-12 independent schools with their enrollment needs and through integrated multimedia campaigns, introduce schools to companies that bring best-in-class products and services that enhance their recruiting process from around the world. Dartmouth Associates offers 360 enrollment audits, online results-oriented recruiting training, executive admission masterclasses, keynote addresses, conference facilitation, and director placement searches. We also offer three integrated media campaigns designed to both exalt and align admission professionals from around the globe. This podcast, The Admissions Entrepreneur, A Day in the Life, our Roar Magazine, the first ever upscale lifestyle publication for the admission professional, and the San Diego Admission Fest Summit, Power Marketing for the New Era. These diverse campaigns are also designed to offer aggressive sponsorship opportunities for companies wanting to exhibit their products and services to the admission office market. If you need recruiting help or would like to promote your products or services, please email us at dartmouthassociates at gmail.com or go to our website at www.dartmouthassociates.com. Today, we're bringing fun and insights to your profession. We have incredible guests who share their unique life stories with you. So please make sure to catch each and every episode and like, subscribe, and share. Now, let's get started. Well, welcome listeners to the Admissions Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Tom Skank, and we are absolutely delighted to have with us Brett Bodner of Educators Ally. Let me read a short bio about Brett. She graduated from Williams College and worked in sports marketing for several years, and then she made the switch to independent schools, most recently as a member of the admission office at the Ethel Walker School. She joined Educators Ally in 2015 and now oversees all admissions and enrollment placement searches. In addition to placement work, she also manages Educators Ally's college and recruiting efforts. Brett graduated from the Peck School in Morristown, New Jersey, and the Lawrenceville School. And she now lives in Norwalk, Connecticut with her husband and their two-year-old daughter and their dog and cat. And listeners, as you know, part of this podcast is not just to introduce other admissions professionals and other educators, but also to make an introduction to companies that serve education in general, as well as admission offices specifically. Why don't we get started? Brett, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Great to be on. Appreciate the invite. It is absolutely my pleasure. Why don't we get started with an initial question and then we'll go from there, okay? Great. My first question to you is, 
How do you feel that your work in admission offices has helped you be more effective in placing admission professionals? Great, great first question. Um, you know, I think coming from my experience in an admissions office, I, I know what it's like to work in a, in a busy admissions office. The flow of the office, the cyclical nature of the admission cycle, um, all the different moving pieces and parts and responsibilities, um, you know, the dynamics of a team and how vital that is that, you know, everyone brings different strengths to the roles um, and how important it is to have a great database person um, you know, running your reports and the metrics. Um, can't understate how important it is to have a fantastic um, admissions um, you know, receptionist, um, administrative assistant, pick your, pick your title, you know, being that front line, answering the phones, first line of communication with families, um, you know, how important it is for, you know, the financial aid office. Um, and then additionally, um, all the different factions of the school that interact with admissions departments, um, the communications and marketing office, the business office, the academic side of the school, dean of students office, all those different pieces. Um, I think having a, a front row seat, having had that personal experience and understand, um, you know, how all those complicated aspects of a school play together, um, you know, is, is really helpful. Um, and what skills and attributes are important in those roles um, and, and what schools look for. So um, not just so our candidates can be successful in their jobs, but so our schools can be successful as well. Well, thank you. Obviously, there are a lot of moving parts for a successful admission office, that's for sure. And it would be a luxury, for example, if an admissions director had the time to search for people they needed to hire. Mm -hmm. And most cases, they don't. They're, they're busy enough as it is. Take a little time to just tell us about what it is that Educators Ally really does. What are, what, give people a sense of uh, scope of, of the services that you would provide a school and an individual. So we help schools, day and boarding schools, uh, independent schools throughout the country with their hiring. And that goes everywhere from first year, you know, green right out of college, um, fellows, associate teachers, um, all the way through senior level administrators. And in addition to classroom positions, also help with obviously admissions, um, but you know, college counseling, development, communications, um, athletics, you know, any, any role in a school that, that you can think of. Um, so we do it all and really pride ourselves on taking a personal approach to this work. Every independent school is unique and has their own different mission, philosophy, feel, um, and so does every educator. Um, that's what makes our work so interesting and exciting um, and what we love about it. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned admissions directors, deans of faculty, school people are busy. Um, there's a lot, on, a lot on their plate. Um, they wear many different hats and hiring is just one element. And it's important to us to listen to our schools and to our candidates and not waste anyone's time. Um, the worst thing that can happen is, you know, a director of admissions spends a lot of time, you know, going, combing through resumes, reading one, one sounds great. Let me pick up the phone and give her a call. And they say, oh no, I, I would never move to California. I don't, I don't want to be in that part of the world or, oh no, you, this is a single sex school. No, I, I prefer to work in a co-ed environment. I, you know, 
absolutely wouldn't do that. Um, we don't want that to happen. Um, so we think very thoughtfully and, and critically about our referrals. We don't use an algorithm. You know, we're real people using our real brains <laughs> um, you know, to listen to what our candidates have shared with us about what is important to them, what they're looking for in their next move. And then when we work with schools, listening to what they look for in their hiring, what needs do they need to fill, who's successful in their community um, to make that match. So really taking a bit of an admissions focus to that um, in, in terms of you know, that right fit um, and a good value add to the school and the overall community. Um, you know, additionally, we're, we're available to both our candidates and our schools at every step of our process and really view it as a partnership. Um, working with our candidates through you know, early stages, helping them with a resume, reading a draft of a cover letter, um, thinking long-term, what are your career goals and what are some steps that we can take along the way to get you there? Um, and uh, so that's, you know, it's always helpful to have someone to soundboard ideas um, off of in the search process. Um, and then also, you know, answer the questions for, for schools. If they see a resume and, oh, you know, is, is she really you know, looking, you know, what is she really looking for? Is she really interested in our school? Even though, you know, her address says Chicago, is she interested in New York and say, yes, you know, her, her partner is, is, you know, got relocated into New York area. So she is relocating as well. So yes, absolutely is interested, you know, discussed our, your school with her and, and she wants to pursue it. So, um, you know, those are just top line, a few of the ways that we can be helpful to our schools and, and hopefully save them some time. So a lot of schools view us as that first screening process. Um, you know, instead of being inundated with 300 resumes after posting on a job board, um, you know, getting a more thoughtfully curated list from EA um, can really help save a lot of time. And you've hit on a couple of key points, and that, that is that both individuals and institutions want to feel as though that you really know them that you know their culture as a person, you know their personality, and really what is most crucial in their search goals. What is the bulk of your business? Is it more in teaching? Is it more with administrators? Uh, how would you break that down? Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty much across the board. Um, you know, in, in recent years, um, we have taken on more retained searches. Um, you know, describe, describe that, uh, a retained search versus... Yeah, what we call a contingency search, um, right. industry lingo there. Um, yeah, so a retained search is where one agency is running the search start to finish, um, you know, helping with the job description, posting the job, um, you know, getting it to where it needs to be, and then, you know, receiving all inquiries and resumes for the position, screening them, having those interviews, um, and then presenting um, an initial batch of candidates to the search committee at the school. Um, the search committee then, you know, does their, <laughs> does their interviews, you know, decides who, who they want to move forward, you know, with help and, and consultation with us. Um, and, um, and then, you know, throughout, throughout the process, you know, as the different stages of the search get, get whittled down to, um, you know, a smaller number of candidates. Um, but that's, you know, where we are the, the only agency in helping, you know, and working really close with the school. And then a contingency search is an open search. Um, you know, schools will get candidate referrals from us, from job boards, NAIS, school websites, you know, faculty referrals, you know, any, any avenue you can think of. <laughs> um, 
but still we like to say that we take a retained search approach to the contingency search as well in terms of being accessible and available to our schools um, you know, to fill in any gaps they might have about a candidate, uh, to advocate for our candidates, to say, you know, I really think you should, you know, look at this, um, this person's resume. I think, you know, he brings a lot of interesting things to the table, such as you know, XYZ, you know, that you mentioned you're looking for, um, you know, hope you don't discount him in your search or, hey, you mentioned that you really needed a squash coach. So, um, you know, this person fits, fits that bill as well. Um, so that's the difference between retained and contingencies. And then, you know, again, we're really um, you know, used to being flexible and nimble. So if there's sort of an in-between middle of the road option uh, that might work better for the school, given their you know, needs and situation, we're happy to discuss that as well and, and be flexible for what works best with our school partners. Well, that's, that's a wonderful approach because I'm sure a lot of schools don't, maybe don't, they don't even know who exactly they need. Mm-hmm. Um, because at particularly at boarding schools, everybody wears many hats. Yes. They may have a specific need, but then there are also those, as you mentioned, like the squash coach contingency. It would be nice if. <laughs> or, hey, we are, you know, we're limited on housing and we only have, you know, a small apartment, you know, available for next year. So if somebody needs housing, someone with a family, you know, they may need to, to find housing on their own. Um, you know, yeah, there's so many pieces to the puzzle and, and we, you know, like to, to take that all in and, you know, think, think strategically, um, you know, sometimes play devil's advocate, both with, you know, our candidates and our schools. Have you thought about this? What about that? Oh, this person, you know, could, could fill a, di- a few different roles. You know, they have a background, um, you know, in, in the theater. So, you know, they would love to help out with, you know, the, the drama program, um, in addition to teaching a few classes in the English department or, or what have you. So um, always trying to think creatively and, and out of the box um, because hiring is, is complicated and can be tough and, and take a, a lot of time. So, um, you know, again, we're there to be a partner and assist however we can and help them think of some creative ways that maybe they may not have thought of. You're talking to somebody who has moved 20 times. <laughs> over my career in boarding with my wonderful wife. And sometimes it's a cross-country move. Do you ever assist with families uh, in, in some of the logistics of the move itself? Does that ever come up? Um, we <clears throat> don't, but that has come up in terms of people asking questions. Oh, I'm moving to this area. You know, what are some what are some towns that are good or what are <laughs> other schools? Maybe they have younger uh, children and they're working at just, you know, a, a nine through 12 school and, Oh, what are some schools in the area that maybe my kids, you know, could go to. So whenever we have inside information, um, you know, about a location or an area, um, you know, absolutely pass that along. Um, even as simple as, Oh, I used to live in this town. You have to go to this restaurant, <laughs> make sure, uh, you know, when you're in the area, um, to check it out. Um, and, you know, can also try, you know, ask the schools as well, if they have, you know, advice or, you know, what have other faculty done, um, sure. you know, who've been moving and relocating to the area. So, um, while that's not part of our necessarily set job descriptions, whenever um, we're able to help, we absolutely um, try our best. Our job, <laughs> the boundaries blur a little bit. And we joke uh, within the office, my colleagues and I, about just some of the seemingly non-job related conversations that we've had with candidates. Um, but 
again, that's why we love what we do. You know, a job search and a move um, is is a big deal. Um, and yes. it's it's a personal decision and a big decision. So any way we can support and even just, you know, listen to our candidates talk about anxieties they may have about, you know, moving, especially if it's a big relocation. Um, again, just, just there to listen. Sure. Again, flexibility seems like that's the watchword of the last year. You know, you and I were talking earlier about that your company had had gone virtual. Yes. Uh, and certainly schools have had to have virtual admission processes. And also during this last year, some schools have come out pretty unscathed in terms of their enrollment numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with other schools, part of it's pandemic, part of it obviously are more systemic enrollment challenges that were around even before the pandemic. What are you seeing in terms of the greatest needs schools have, or what kind of people do they, when they're looking for an admissions person specifically, what are they saying to you in terms of, we've got to have a person who knows how to do X? Yeah, and you know, great vantage point from um, where we are working with schools throughout the country is we we see it all. <laughs> and. Um, some schools that without even trying too hard, you know, they're fully enrolled April 10th um, and others who are struggling for every last student. Um, but I think some common trends, um, you know, have been um, in a few different areas. And one is um, a need for people who are, exper- even if it's not a specific role they're looking for in communications and marketing, some background in communications and marketing. Um, you know, particularly with the pivot to, you know, a virtual admissions process. Um, and this was true even before that, that before COVID happened. Um, people who have that strategic marketing and communications background and can think about, okay, are we putting our message out where it needs to be? Where are families? Um, This episode is sponsored by School Connections. The idea is simple, affordable and meaningful venues for traditional boarding schools, therapeutic schools, and domestic and international educational consultants to come together for informational and networking purposes. This process ultimately leads to the successful placing of students into the most compatible environments. School Connections workshops involve multiple individual meetings between educational consultants and admissions representatives from schools and programs. Their workshops range from two to three days and allow attendees to maximize their time with individual appointments in one workshop in one location. I know from experience, School Connections is a fantastic program. And if you are looking for students, please reach out to them at schoolconnections.org. That's schoolconnections.org. Everything is, you know, has been so much more digital um, and virtual and social media, in, you know, in this generation of student and parents. So, you know, the traditional flyers or print ads, um, not quite as effective anymore. You're, you're not necessarily reaching the families you used to. Um, you're thinking they're in person. You know, this year you couldn't necessarily do an, an in-person open house or revisit day. You couldn't get that buzz. So, um, you know, again, the need for um, more virtual content. So schools have really been looking for um, both just uh, in 
directors of strategic communication, just in the communications and marketing office, but also a, a dedicated um, person in the admissions office who sort of spearheads that role and that connection um, to make sure your message is getting to where it needs to be and, and is effective that, you know, your, your ROI is, is good. Um, and, you know, that's, that's one area that we've seen a big increase in the last year. Um, and also in terms of database and reporting, um, you can't, can't overstate uh, how valuable it is to have a great data person in the office. Again, going back to that strategic communications and marketing aspect. Okay, where are our families coming from? Um, you know, is that where we're putting our message out? Is, are there untapped um, networks and markets that we haven't reached that uh, could be fertile ground for new students? Um, are we making sure to not neglect our current families? Um, you know, retention and re-enrollment is important. So what, um, what efforts have been successful? Um, you know, it's, you don't want to just keep doing something, oh, we've always done it that way. So that's why we keep doing it. Um, you know, I think admissions offices are taking a more critical look and saying, okay, well, why have we done it? We've always done it, but is it successful? Is this an initiative we need to keep doing or can we tweak it some way? Um, so having people in the office with, uh, you know, the data to back that up um, and the evidence to show, oh, we've always done this, but actually we don't really get too many students from that. Um, let's try something new. We think this could be an avenue that could be successful. Um, and then I think thirdly, another area of growth we've seen um, in admissions office is somebody um, responsible for multicultural recruiting. And again, a big um, growth in DEI directors this year um, but someone, you know, specifically, you know, in charge of hope, you know, increasing that diversity um, and diversity in all forms, you know, not just, you know, racial, ethnic um, diversity, but socioeconomic diversity, geographic diversity, you know, if you're a boarding school and can pull from a wider range. Um, mm. And then liaising with the office of DEI to make sure not just that we attract those students, but that we can support those students so they can be successful while they're here. Um, you know, that's the worst thing you can do both with students and faculty is bring them in, but then not support them um, and give them uh, the tools and the resources that they need to thrive in that school environment. Absolutely. Um, that's a, that's a big key is, is the cultural fit. I mean, they could have the academic fit and skills, but the cultural fit is even more crucial in, in retaining good staff. Let me ask you, Brett, what do you see in terms of schools? So I'm talking prep schools now mm -hmm. or, or K-12 independent schools. Are they, are they coming to you and saying, well, you know, we'd like you to look at people coming out of college admissions. Is that something that you see very often? And if you do, how successful is that? Yeah, um, we, we see a mix. Um, I had a conversation with a director of admissions who right up front said, I will admit my bias. <laughs> I came up through college admissions and so did another colleague in the office. So we think that that's a great path. So admitting my bias, but you know, I really like to see that profile. Um, so yeah, we absolutely hear that. And there's certainly a lot of transferable skills that one gets in college admissions mm -hmm. that uh, can translate to independent schools. 
but it is a different beast. Um, you know, sometimes college admissions, it's a more, maybe a more logical path to go into college counseling as opposed to independent school admissions. Um, but certainly, you know, the transferable skills of, you know, marketing your school, speaking to students and families. Um, I think in the independent school admissions process, um, particularly if it's a K-12 um, or a K-8, you're dealing a lot more with parents than students. Um, so that obviously is a big, a big difference, um, you know, who's, who's right. making the call and who's making the decision. Um, sometimes particularly if you're coming from a large university that really hands-on personal approach one-on-one with the students, the applicants, um, is a big difference that maybe you're, you're not quite used to. Um, you know, I know a lot of independent schools really pride themselves in the admissions office to taking a very hands-on approach and it, um, work with the families. I know, you know, the director of admissions that I worked with um, at Walkers always would say, you know, we're admissions counselors and let's take that counselor part very seriously um, and help the walk the families through the process, through the financial aid process. Um, hopefully our school is the right fit for them, but if it's not, you know, help, help them navigate just the whole process in general and finding their best next step. So I think there's certain colleges that absolutely do that. But if you're coming from a huge university, um, that may not always be the case. So um, if you are looking for that more personal hands-on touch, uh, building those relationships, then yes, I think independent school admissions would, would be a great fit. Um, but if you are used to working at more anonymous giant, you know, not really knowing your, your applicants super well, um, you know, then maybe, maybe independent schools isn't, isn't for you because the process is so hands-on and personalized. That, and that's what I've seen. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it has to do with how that person navigates uh, transferring their skills and modifying those skills from the college to the K-12 exactly. um, Let me ask you about what I have heard in that it's kind of a, a market where there are not as many top experienced admissions professionals looking, and there are more schools who are looking than admissions professionals looking. What do you What do you see? Yeah, um, actually, we just <laughs> right before um, I got on with you was watching um, a short video that NAIS just produced, looking about um, you know the the twenty twenty one hiring season. Um, and showing, you know, versus, you know, the data on their job boards um, that particularly, um, you know, earlier in the season, December, January, February, a lot more candidates creating profiles on NAS um, and fewer jobs posted. And then as the season went on, but that flipped and April, May, now we're into June, um, more jobs being posted and fewer you know, active job seekers. Um, so the peaks in terms of who's looking for jobs and what jobs are available was mismatched. Um, so yeah, and we have seen the last month or two, a huge increase in admissions positions, um, but a lot of candidates you know, signing their contracts already um, and signing contracts in independent schools is taken seriously. Um, and those are, are deadlines and commitments that we respect. 
This episode is sponsored by the Independent Educational Consultants Association. It is the largest and most respected organization representing independent educational consultants. An IECA member educational consultant is a skilled professional who provides counseling to help students and families choose a school that is a good personal match, one that will foster the student's academic and social growth. IECA members adhere to the strictest ethical standards in the profession, visit hundreds of campuses each year, and are among the most experienced educational consultants in the profession. They focus on finding the best match between student and school. Many schools have gained students from new communities because of their outreach to IECA members. Personally, I was a director of admissions for 20 years, and the IECA consultants were crucial in helping me find the best mission-appropriate students. They are fantastic people to work with. In fact, national and regional media, as well as government agencies, rely on IECA as the authority of the profession. IECA is consistently cited by the media as the association with ethical, student-centered advising. For more information on how to connect with IECA members, go to IECAonline.com. That's IECAonline.com. So it's tricky. We're trying to get creative. Um, And maybe that is where, um, you know, somebody from the college admissions world um, looking to make that switch could get their big break because they're not under that traditional independent school contract. Um, And this year, you know, last year was a pretty slow year for for admissions or at least non-teaching positions across the board. People Um, weren't moving. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of schools last year were... um, concentrating their efforts on classroom positions. So maybe pre-COVID, you were thinking, yeah, we would love to add another person to our admissions office. Um, then COVID hit. <laughs> Thing, you know, No one knew what was going on. Maybe budgets were tightened. Um, and you thought, yes, we would have loved to have that extra person at admissions, but we can't swing it right now. But we you absolutely need a third grade teacher in front of the classroom or in front of the Zoom screen. <laughs> um, so let's prioritize faculty hiring, you know, teaching faculty hiring first. Um, and we can, you know, put non-teaching, including admissions, on the back burner. And then, you know, come the cycle moves, moves along, and here we are, and you know, schools reopening, or at least, you know, they've they're in their routine. If they need to pivot and be virtual, they know what to do. So um, you know, saying, okay, now we can fill all those needs that maybe we put off um, in, in admissions or college counseling or development. Um, so have seen a big increase um, and it has skewed later, but admissions openings typically do skew a little later um, than, than teaching faculty openings. I think a big thing that has to do with the admission cycle. Um, March and April are usually very busy months for faculty hiring, but those are also traditionally pretty busy, year, pretty pretty busy times of the year in admissions too. So, um, admissions has to fill the school first and concentrate on that, and then can turn their attention to their own needs in their office. So you're so right now you're seeing schools coming to you saying, "Help us, please." We we've now decided. Now is it is it all areas of the admission office, or is it primarily directors? What what is their greatest need that you're seeing? Yeah, it, it's across the board, you know, all from directors through, you know, associate assistant directors. Um, and again, I think a lot of um, 
lot of office help staff has been pretty um, popular the last the last few weeks. Um, again, that that great database person. <laughs> I, know I keep coming back to it, um, but someone who can you know look at the numbers, take them all in, run those reports, and you know draw you know some pretty great you know analytical conclusions um, to help. Um, dictate the direction and the efforts of the office. Um, that has been a popular one um, the last few weeks, um, but we have seen openings at, at all levels as well. What would you say to the school uh, in terms of making themselves as attractive as possible? Say, let's talk about a director position, but mm -hmm. to make themselves as attractive as possible in the most co comprehensive ways to a potential candidate? What are some of the value adds that they can offer? Good question. I think that will, that will vary candidate to candidate. Everyone is looking um, for something different and something that might attract me to a school may not attract you. Um, but I think across the board, um, admissions uh, people are creative people. Um, um, I think they're energetic and innovative people. So looking for um, a school that is supportive of admissions and the admissions director trying new things um, and saying, great, you have an idea, run with it. We would love to see that um, as opposed to saying, oh, well, no, I don't think that's going to work. So let's not try. Um, you don't know if something's going to work until you try. So um, has a senior leadership team that is supportive of admissions um, and also understands the important role that admissions plays and that really every part of the school is admissions. Um, you know, when families come to visit, um, they're looking at the faculty. Um, how will my student, um, how will my child or how will I, um, you know, thrive here, learn from these teachers, um, be supported by these teachers. Um, and, you know, the, the parents and the students themselves are ambassadors. You never know if you'll be out at the grocery store or at a cocktail party and somebody asks you, oh, you know, where do you go to school? Or, oh, I'm seeing, you know, the name of the school in your sweatshirt. What's that place? Tell me more about it. So um, I think just in general, a school community that understands that everyone <laughs> is really part of the admissions effort um, and that this is important um, and everyone is, has a consistent message um, about what the school is and the benefits that the school brings to their students. Um, school communities that um, you know, are like that, I think are very attractive um, to admissions directors. I think you've raised some excellent points and I will echo that based upon a conversation I had not too long ago with Mark Sclaro, who is the head of IECA, mm -hmm. uh, longtime thought leader and professional in education. And the whole issue of admissions people truly feeling as though they are respected at the highest administrative level. Mm -hmm. And he shared with me the story that he was approached by a group of admissions people who had worked extremely hard during COVID, had reached their numbers. But at the end of the day, they just felt that their efforts were not appreciated. Mm -hmm. And I think getting back to what you said, Brett, about schools being very clear about how much an integral part that director is going to play in the decisions of the school. And getting back to what you said earlier is that the administration 
not only supports, but actually understands a little bit of the admissions process. Mm -hmm. I know having been ahead, it was helpful for me to empathize with what admissions was going through. But as you and I know, most heads do not come from admissions. Yep. <laughs> and, and I think if a school could articulate the fact that they've gone through a learning process and that the head and the rest of the administration do understand and really want to work collaboratively, I think that'll go a long way to making a school particularly effective as they yeah, Absolutely. You know, your director of admissions or enrollment management, whatever your title is, should absolutely be part of the senior leadership team. Um, because, you know, a, the worst thing that could happen is um, that the admissions director is blindsided by something. You know, maybe a student is having, is struggling in a class or, you know, personally, socially, um, but the dean of, um, you know, academics or the grade dean or the dean of students hasn't filled in the admissions director, um, you know, that this student is struggling. Um, you know, sometimes there may be a simple solution, but then all of a sudden re-enrollment contracts come in and they say, no, we're going elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and the admissions director is blindsided. Um, so I think being in those conversations, including admissions in those conversations, um, you know, that's where the re-enrollment and enrollment management piece fit in is so important. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the admissions office can be clued in um, to those and can help um, work with the academic side of the school as well um, to help retain the students that they currently have. This episode is brought to you by ISCA. Does your board chair know about ISCA, the Independent School Chairpersons Association? The mission of ISCA is to support independent school board chairs in becoming effective governance leaders for their boards. ISCA accomplishes this by offering peer support and networking resources and educational opportunities. Get your board chair connected to ISCA today by visiting iscachairs.com. Org. That's I-S-C-A-C-H-A-I-R-S dot org. I-S-C-A-C-H-A-I-R-S dot org. Let's get to the candidates. What can candidates do or what do you see them not doing that they need to do a better job at as they present? The, and obviously you help them do this, but what are the biggest challenges that you see that they don't really understand how the best ways to present themselves that you can help them with. Yeah, I think, you know, and this goes for any, any job interview, to, doesn't matter the industry. Um, being able to speak about concrete specifics in your background and give examples. Don't just say, oh, yes, my team and I, we increased enrollment. Well, how? Um, did you revamp an open house? How did you pivot during COVID? Um, <clears throat> what were the specific examples um, that initiatives, you know, what were those tangible things that you did? How can you, you know, describe and explain them? Um, so don't speak in big general terms, but, but nail down the specifics. Um, you know, everyone at admission should know their numbers. <laughs> What's your target enrollment? Where does it stand? Um, where are you um, in terms of, you know, the funnel <laughs> that everyone likes to talk about, um, you know, and, and knowing, um, knowing that data. Um, and again, you know, hearkening back to um, the data and the numbers, um, I think admissions is really a science and an art. 
maybe several years ago, it maybe was more the art and admissions was just where you put the, the outgoing, <laughs> happy, personable people, you know, who could, you know, charm, charm the room. Um, and that certainly is valuable. I'm not at all discounting that. <laughs> um, you need that in, in admissions. It is a, you know, people facing business, but um, also that science and understanding, um, understanding marketing, understanding, um, you know, financial aid numbers, net revenue, um, all of that. And, you know, where your role is in that, um, where your school is, you know, every school is a little different in terms of how, you know, they rely on data to make those data-driven decisions. Um, you know, do they have a set FA budget or is it net revenue? Um, is it really more the business office that handles that or, or your office? Again, every school is different, but just being able to you know, have a handle um, on some of that, that data side, that hard science side um, is something that schools are looking for a lot, um, especially in recent years for people in admissions. Um, so just saying, oh, yeah, um, you know, I, I like talking to people. I like promoting my school. I can be in admissions. Sure. <laughs> Um, great. That is a perfect start. Um, but there is, you know, a lot, um, a lot of other elements and schools are looking now really for more experience in, in those realms, in those, the nitty gritty, um, analytical side of admissions. Well, in, in talking to you, Brett, clearly you have a very comprehensive understanding of the process, both from the standpoint of schools and applicants. Uh, but that's only one part of your life. And that's, you know, as, as, the, as the professional recruiter, if you will, uh, and placement person, how do you manage this? I know you're a, a wife and a mother and, uh, you know, a person who has your own life outside of work. How do you manage it? Are, I mean, do you, do you do yoga in the morning? Are you a listener? How do you, how do you fit it all in? Oh, uh, yeah. Sometimes I wonder, and I don't think um, <laughs> that's a skill that I necessarily always excel at. Um, you know, it is kind of a 24 seven job <laughs> placement and, and recruiting and, you know, being available to talk with a candidate or, uh, you know, ahead of admissions at off time, you know, not just nine to five. Um, so uh, work-life balance is something that all of us at, at EA are, always discussing how we can make more time for ourselves. Um, But yes, I I do. I try to spend time with my daughter when she gets home from, from daycare Um, kind of, you know, unofficially blocked out, you know, those times in the evenings from when she comes home to when she puts to bed, Um, you know, telling my colleagues, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm offline here. If there's an emergency, absolutely. You know, let me know. I'll get to it. But uh, this is, when I'm a little bit busy with, with my family, um, you know, I'll, I'll be back online, you know, after she goes to bed. Um, yeah, but try to, try to get out, get outside, um, go, go for walks. Um, you know, really looking forward to the summer, um, being outside. I love the water um, of going to the beach. Um, you know, just hopefully, especially this year, really looking forward to spending time with family and friends. Um, you know, a lot of my, my good girlfriends were all scattered throughout the country. So trying to plan some, some visits now that we're, we're allowed to travel. So really looking forward to that um, time to recharge. It's, it's been a busy year uh, for everyone, particularly those in schools and school adjacent. (laughs) So um, hoping to have some, some time to recharge and and take a little break. 
Are you a are you a reader of books? Is that a, a sense of uh, tranquility for you, or what is it that kind of helps yeah. you turn off? Yeah, I, I have a huge stack of unread books <laughs> on my bedside table, um, and definitely hoping uh, to get to some of that. Um, but sometimes just needs you know you need to totally turn off your brain and and zone out and watch some, some mindless TV. <laughs> For sure, not going to say I'm I'm above that. Do you have <laughs> um, any uh, uh, binge favorites? See, recently I binged. Um, what have I just done um, uh, the series Superstore, which is just a pretty <laughs> silly workplace comedy. <laughs> um, but actually, did touch on some pretty interesting, you know, social issues um, in terms of you know. Um, you know, minimum wage, unionizing, income inequality, Black Lives Matter, um, which was was related in a in a informative and interesting, but you know, light, humorous way. Um, and then also, I've been watching the show Hacks um, mm. with uh, Gene Smart on HBO, and that's that's been been pretty funny and entertaining. Um, trying to stick towards the light fare <laughs> and not not get into anything too heavy in this last year when you just need to a mindless escape. Um, no, I, uh, I agree. The one thing that baffles me is there are so many different options, but how does one make the choice and then how does one actually access them? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think, um, a a typical Friday night, my husband and I, it's like, Oh, we just have been scrolling through, you know, on demand and all the different streaming sites, the the trailers and what to watch. And then all of a sudden we're like, Oh, well, there, there went the evening time to go to bed. We didn't watch anything <laughs> in deciding what to watch. We just watched trailers. So uh, that's a that's a common occurrence in our house. Now, is there is there any kind of favorite family food dish uh, that you all like to enjoy? Well, now that it's nice in summer, I'm trying to do a lot of grilling. Um, I'm very fortunate in that uh, my husband is, he's pretty much the point person for, for cooking <laughs> in our house. That's, <laughs> I wish I loved to cook. I wish that was a, a therapeutic and relaxing thing for me. It's just, just not my skill set. So uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> he handles all of that. Um, and he's actually a teacher. So he, he now has a little bit of time off uh, this summer um, when, you know, he's not our, our lead childcare person. <laughs> for our daughter um you know he he focuses on on the cooking but uh really doing a lot of grilling in the summer oh i i understand having been at boarding schools a lot of our lives there was always somebody cooking for us yeah yeah that was and um you know we started out you know my husband his first teaching job was at a boarding school and I was a student at boarding school too. So knew that life and yeah, all of a sudden now we have to think of, of a menu <laughs> and do the cooking ourselves. <laughs> I was, that is a, a huge perk at boarding school that we didn't really realize when we made the transition to day school. So um, if we could have just taken the dining hall and the dining hall staff with us, <laughs> that would have been ideal. <laughs> we miss them. Well, what, what was it that attracted you out of the independent school world to go to educators ally. What, what were some of the forces that uh, came to play? Yeah. So this is not a dissimilar path from some people on my team. Um, I was a candidate 
Um, we, my husband had gotten a new job. We were relocating and I was looking for another position in admissions. Um, so had a, you know, a few phone calls with my placement manager about my background and past and what I did and what I was looking for and things that I liked. Um, and then, you know, after a few conversations, got another call saying, Hey, can I run something a little out of the box past you? What would you think about possibly working for EA? Um, so it took, it took a while for me to, you know, think about it and transition my head and my thoughts into, you know, moving out of schools, um, you know, out of the admissions office into placement work. But there are a lot of similarities and a lot of transferable skills. One thing I loved about admissions that I really like about placement work is the cyclical nature of this. Um, you know, there's definitely much a, a seasonality to it. Um, you know, in admissions, just when you're like, oh, I'm so sick of hearing myself give the elevator pitch, <laughs> um, you know, to family after family. Oh, okay. Things change. And now, you know, you're reading applications. And then when you're like, okay, my eyes are glazing over, you know, oh, I, I can't focus anymore on applications. Okay. Then, you know, this, the cycle changes again, and that's very similar in, in placement work too. So, um, you know, always something new, always different. It doesn't get stale. You can't get complacent. Um, and also just hearing people's stories, learning about who they are, their path, um, and what comes next for them. I think that's that's so interesting. Um, and thinking outside the box, drawing some connections um, about, oh, I think this would really you know, be a good next step for you. I hear you say that XYZ is really important to you. Well, have you thought about this school? Um, I think that would check a lot of the boxes about what you're looking for, um, you know, and connecting those pe um, people and places. Um, is something that I love to do and is pretty similar from admissions uh, to placement work. So it, it was a change and it took a little bit for me to wrap my head around it. Um, and I definitely, you know, there are times when I, I miss admissions, I miss, you know, talking with the students. Um, you know, I, I deal mostly with adults now, which is great. But, you know, those, those funny things that, you know, middle schoolers will say in an interview. Right, um, right. <laughs> do miss that a little bit here and there. But, um, you know, it's still great to be involved in schools um, and have, um, you know, a, a toe still in the school, independent school community. Exactly. Well, obviously, you've adapted well. Uh, and, and there might be people uh, who might be interested in working for an educator's ally. Let me let me get to a couple of heavier topics, and that's kind of the challenges of the world. Uh, and as obviously a, a citizen of the world, as well as a thought leader in your profession, what do you feel personally are some of the greatest challenges that society is facing today? Oh, that's such a big one. <laughs> there are a few to choose. Uh, um. You know, I think, um, you know, I just education in general, I've, it's something, you know, growing up, my parents instilled um, in me and my, and my sisters um, is so important and, and paramount. And I'm incredibly fortunate, um, you know, and um, privileged to have gone to the schools that I have. Um, and that's not necessarily the case uh, for many people. Um, so I think, you know, equity be equitability and access to, to a solid education is, is critically important um, and making schools accessible um, to a variety of students. Um, you know, every, you know, homogeny is not, <laughs> it's not great. You know, it, um, 
you need a diverse uh, variety of um, of people and backgrounds and thoughts and perspectives. Um, and um, you know, the last year or so, with you know Black Lives Matter and Black at uh, you know social media movements at different schools have been so eye opening and um, rightly so, allowing you know causing schools to take a critical look at their practices. Um, you know, touched on it earlier not just attracting those students or faculty, um, you know, of color or from different backgrounds, but making sure they feel supported um, and listened to and heard and um, that the institutions might have to readjust um, the way they've always done things to accommodate uh, a diversity of, of students and faculty. And that will only, you know, make them better. Um, you know, it's hard work. Um, you know, it's, I'm, you know, working on that, you know, myself to educate myself and to do things better, but, um, it's necessarily work. And, you know, I know teachers are people who work hard and they don't shy away from hard work. So I'm hoping that institutions, um, you know, don't shy away from this challenging work, um, and, and ask for help where needed, um, you know, and say, Hey, you know, we're at an earlier stage of this journey. Um, you know, what are some other resources or people who can help us get further along in, in this work? Let's talk about what I call the billboard of life. Let's say there's a billboard that every person is going to drive by on this freeway of life. Uh, what should that billboard say? What is it that you want everyone to know that would be important for them that would, that would help their life? What goes on that billboard? Um, I think to, to give to give grace um, to yourself and to others, um, you know, going further than just, you know, be kind. But I think particularly this last year in the pandemic, <laughs> people working from home, um, lives changed drastically um, and, you know, educators in schools working really hard doing things they never had, you know, to do before. Um, you know, I think in our professional lives, things have been very challenging. Certainly in education, it feels like nothing stopped. You know, nobody really got a break last summer. Um, you know, things usually slow down, but that did not happen and it went full speed ahead. Um, so people have been dealing a lot in their professional lives, but then personally as well, trying to Zoom school your kids at home, daycare shut down, um, two spouses working from home at the same time. Um, whose meeting takes preference over the other because, you know, your, your one-year-old is <laughs> throwing a tantrum. Um, and um, you just don't know what other people are going through in their lives. So just having some understanding of that and showing grace towards each other. And again, yourself that, you know, we're not, we're not superhuman. We can't do it all. And it's okay to pull back or to say, you know, I can't take that on right now, or I need a little more space um, or I, you know, you're living and working in the same space. So how do you create those boundaries between um, personal life and professional life, particularly in industries like teaching and admissions and recruiting where it's, there's a big 24 seven aspect to it um, and saying, it's okay if you, know, you sit on an email till the next morning. This has been an absolute delight to talk to you, Brett. No, thank you, Tom. It's been great to speak with you as well. Always love talking about schools and admissions and I the work tell. that he does. <laughs> I can I can absolutely tell, and and clearly, your personalized approach in working with schools and applicants 
has paid off. As I said, I, I have always heard about that approach as something that's really a hallmark about what you do. Yeah. Thank you. No, we, we pride ourselves on that. And, you know, honestly, referral and word of mouth is, you know, the best, um, the best thank you we can get from our candidates and our schools. Um, and, you know, we see that and it makes us really proud um, and, you know, happy that our schools and our candidates value our work. Um, and we value too, the, those relationships we've formed. It's a relationship business. And, you know, that's, that's why we love what we do and keep doing it. Well, obviously, anybody who has interest in the admissions field is in great hands. <laughs> Thank they, you. Yes. And anyone, yeah, schools um, interested in working with, with EA or candidates, you know, go to our website, educatorsally.com. Um, for candidates, there's a button that says apply now, um, where you can you know, upload your resume. Um, and for schools, you know, contact us page, you know, shows you how to get, get in touch with us and um, I'm very fortunate to work with a fantastic group of, of women and a wonderful team. So um, looking forward to helping you all. Fantastic. Well, I wish you and your family just a safe, wonderful summer. Let's do this again. And yes, absolutely. in the meantime, be safe and then have a great rest of the week. And thank you for your kind time, Brett. Thank you, Tom. You as well. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a short review on your favorite platform. It takes less than 60 seconds, and it really makes a difference in helping to convince those hard-to-get guests. Also, I really love reading the reviews. Lastly, please explore the full range of our recruiting services, guest opportunities, memberships, newsletters, past shows, and our exciting promotional campaigns for 2021 through this podcast, Roar Magazine, the first ever lifestyle publication for admission professionals that launches this summer, and Admission Fest Summit, power marketing for the new era. This summit will be held in San Diego on December 5th. Please go to our website for all details at www.dartmouthassociates.com. That's www.dartmouthassociates.com. Thank you again for being part of our wonderful membership, and I wish you an absolutely terrific day. This episode is sponsored by the NinjaGram app. Let's talk about automating your social media with the NinjaGram app over at www.ninjagram.app. This Instagram software will help you automate and grow your Instagram following fast by using their auto follow, auto unfollow, auto comment, auto like, and auto story views feature, and much more. Get over to www.ninjagram.app today to purchase and download the NinjaGram app at www.ninja.app. 
J-A-G-R-A-M dot app and start growing your Instagram following fast today. Also, I want to give a shout out to my producers over at Hype Music Network and jwattproduction.com. These guys produce all my episodes and I trust no one else to bring the quality performance I demand every time. If you need help with your first podcast, they will take you by the hand and guide you through the whole process. Visit them at hypemusicnetwork.com. That's H-Y-P-E-M-U-S-I-C-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com and at jwattproduction.com. That's J-A-Y-W-A-T-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N.com. You will not be disappointed.